0: The Views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual, organisation, or entity. You're right, Adam.
1: Yes, I'm all right, Roger. And I want to start this podcast by making an apology uh, regarding how late the podcast went out last week. That's entirely my fault. I had. It isn't. Um, quite a few interviews that came up so I wanted to make sure that I prepared for them. Fingers crossed I'm successful on any but yeah I was quite lucky with the amount of interviews that I got to attend last week. Three in the space of 24 hours. So that's a heck of a lot of work
0: for you there, Adam. I'm Roger, and my colleague Adam is being harsh on himself as ever. If I hadn't have been um, gallivanting around with my family, I could have got it edited myself. I just appreciate you doing it. Both of us give up our time freely to do this, Adam, so thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'm sorry that... Good. Your interviews haven't worked out in success yet.
1: Well, one of them's been rejected. I don't know about the other two yet.
0: Just keep on hammering away at it and success will come.
1: Yep, and I will let you know when I get a job offer. Break the news pod at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch with any news. It is the 28th of October 2023 and of course it is a Saturday as usual when we're recording. So that means it is park run day, and I went to Horton Park Run today, and I did a park run, and I got a PB 1951, which is eight seconds faster than my previous PB at 1959, and I did fairly really well at my run today.
0: I think we've both had a terrific week, Adam, because I've had a super week. I took my family to two fabulous destinations. At the start of this week, I took my oldest daughter to Walton Towers, and it was... Term time for the local area there, so it was quiet. The weather forecast was bad, but it didn't turn out that way. It didn't rain on us once, so it was quite quiet. So, a lot of the rides, even the big coasters, we were able to get on without queuing at all. We rode everything we wanted to ride, we had great fun, made great memories. The park was up until nine o'clock. I drove us through the Peak District in the morning, right through the middle at Peak District, which was beautiful but foggy. Then I motorwayed it all the way back. The day before yesterday, I took the whole family to Blackpool to see the illuminations, and that was fantastic as well. I tell you what, it was the warmest I've ever been seeing Blackpool illuminations, you know, Adam.
1: Yeah, because it's always in the autumn time, isn't it, when the set switched on. Did you enjoy them both?
0: It was fantastic. Again at Blackpool, we had good weather. It didn't rain. There were people there, but it, I wouldn't say it was crowded. We saw a fantastic um, light show in the front of Blackpool Tower, where you know they like projected onto the building, and we were able to like stand in the little town square they've made in front of it and have a bit of a dance together as a family. It was really good fun. We had a really nice time and I got the kids a drive-through McDonald's on the way home. So they quietly munched in the back of the car while I (laughs) drove the long, dark drive home.
1: Yeah, I remember I used to go to Blackpool sometimes when I was younger. My mum and my stepdad, because I've got like a half-brother They used to go, they used to take us and we we used to drive through the whole of the illuminations and see every one of them. And it used to take an awful long time to drive through them. That's just some of the stories that I remember from when I was younger. I don't know whether you uh, went past each illumination There is no way I was going to drive down
0: Blackpool Promenade. It's just a hellish drive, especially with tram lines and everything. I would rather just be relaxed. So what we did was we parked at the Pleasure Beach, which cost a small fortune. I was absolutely robbed for parking, 15 quid. I was desperate for a wee, so I just wanted to park the car and get out. And then we walked from South Pier all the way to the Tower and then back. So we didn't do the whole three miles of the illumination. I mean, my five-year-old has still only got little legs, and they were all tired enough by the time we'd done that.
1: I probably walked through these illuminations uh, faster than what we went through them on the car that time.
0: Yeah, six miles um, is definitely doable for a beast like you,
1: Adam. (laughs) I don't know about walking through them faster, but I could definitely run them through them faster. I can do I can do six miles in under an hour.
0: I once walked all the way from Livem to Blackpool Tower. I'm not very fast, but I've got good stamina. I can keep on going.
1: I've I've been to Livem only once with my mum. I don't even know when the last time I visited that the west coast before. It would have been before the pandemic, before last time I visited that coast round Blackpool living area. Well, like
0: yourself, my wife used to have family holidays in Blackpool, so it brings back a lot of memories for her. But there are some parts of Blackpool my wife doesn't like because my wife has a phobia of bangs and snaps. And you know them little snapper things kids throw on the floor. Oh, if she yeah. hears them, she gets freaked out.
1: Like I say, Blackpools, centre to Blackpools, it seems a bit like Bradford, to be honest, doesn't it? Maybe not as bad as Bradford, let's be honest, but, I mean, there's there's a lot of takeaways and stuff. At least it's got seaside, um, the- and at least it's not as violent as Bradford, let's be honest.
0: The area is very, very deprived. I mean, I noticed at the end of the night... When I drove to McDonald's, yes, the promenade, especially with illuminations, is fabulous and beautiful and it looks amazing. Now that they've sorted out the beach as well, you know, Blackpool has a nice, clean beach now. It's lovely, but as soon as you go back away from that, inland, into Blackpool properly, it just stinks of deprivation. It was very scary, very dark, very grim. I wanted to drive out of there very quickly. I think it's because Blackpool Council know that If that promenade is not up to scratch, they lose their tourism and they are doomed. So they absolutely put their all into making it perfect. And it is better. Blackpool is slowly, slowly shedding that scuzzy reputation it's got.
1: Yeah, so maybe they've realised that it's perhaps losing them tourism and they might have paid some people to go and pick the uh, litter up off the beach, perhaps.
0: Well, I've been there twice this year now and I definitely highly recommend Blackpool to anyone now. Looking back on this year, because it's been my first year with a car, I think I have been and done loads of things, so I need to calm down and settle a little next year.
1: Yeah, maybe save a little bit of money on petrol, because it does cost a lot of money, doesn't it, driving around all the time?
0: It does. I've spent a fair wedge on petrol this week, so I need to pack that in. And we need to get on with talking about some news because that's who we are. We are Adam and Roger Break the News, a podcast where we talk about what's happening in the news, believe it or not.
1: Yeah, because at the moment it seems like it's more like Adam and Roger break their lives.
0: Well, we have got lives, and I suppose, (laughs) and and from what little... Listener feedback I've heard people actually quite like hearing about our lives for some reason, so (laughs) I don't don't mind sharing a little bit. It's
1: probably the most interesting bit of the podcast, hearing about your life, and you were about my life. I really enjoyed the start of the podcast,
0: that's why we've done it for 129 episodes. Now, if you have any feedback you'd like to share and become part of this conversation. Like Adam said earlier, you can email us at
1: breakthenewspod at gmail.com. You've got the BBC News summary of the Israel and Palestine conflict, so take it away.
0: Yep, we can't put it off any longer. I will say that last week on this podcast, I hoped that talks of peace and a ceasefire would have begun by now, but sadly, things have escalated. Benjamin Netanyahu says Israel's ground operation in Gaza marks the second stage of what he says will be a long and difficult war with Hamas. Speaking in a televised address, he confirms Israeli commanders are deployed all over the Gaza Strip as heavy bombing continues. Leaflets have been dropped over Gaza City. That's what my granddad used to do after Mm. World War II. He dropped leaflets over Germany. Leaflets have been dropped over Gaza City, warning residents the area is now a battlefield and they must leave for the south. Civilians in Gaza remain cut off from the outside world because phone lines and the internet are down for most people. The White House said Israel had the right to take the fight to Hamas. Turkey's leader accused Israel of war crimes. Netanyahu responded angrily, saying the IDF was a moral army. Israel has been bombing Gaza since the 7th of October (coughs) Hamas attacks that killed 1,400 people and saw nearly 230 people kidnapped as hostages. The Hamas-run health ministry in Gaza says more than 7,500 people have been killed since Israel's retaliatory bombing began. Well, Adam, what do you think?
1: Well, it's not good news what's going on, but there's no hope for a ceasefire because Hamas will just keep attacking and that's what it seems to be. So Israel have to keep attacking because otherwise Hamas would just literally try to wipe out Israel's country. So I don't think this is going to end very very well, is it?
0: I think other countries would be right to start calling for a ceasefire now and would be right to call for some sort of peace and resolution. But, as I've said here on the podcast before, I don't think this will end until one side has wiped the other out.
1: No, well, if Hammers keep attacking, they're not going to obey the rules of a ceasefire, so um, it doesn't look like there's going to be a ceasefire the way it's going, unfortunately, does it?
0: Netanyahu says this is going to be a long and horrible war. And it looks like they're going for it. They're going for the big one. They are going to do their best to wipe Hamas out.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. And we were talking about how tensions were calm in this country last week and then suddenly it kicked off. And, I sh- and this might happen again after the podcast today, I don't know. But there were estimated to be over 100,000 people protesting in London today. There has been a bit of trouble at some of those protests today, which have just looks like breaking news. One man's been arrested over death threats and there's been other people arrested over other offences. So things do look to be escalating in this country, unfortunately, as well. But out of a crowd of 100,000, it doesn't seem like it's too bad. The police do need to stay calm over this and so do the protesters.
0: Everyone just needs to keep calm, cool, rational heads as we try to do here on our little podcast our little not protest but our little way of having our say
1: it looks like labor may have lost a bit of support over it although in the national polls they actually seem to be gaining support so i don't know where things stand with the labor party at the moment but there are internal divisions and i could have easily talked about that with some of the Muslim MPs and MPs on the left of the Labour Party calling for Keir Starmer to call a ceasefire, which she hasn't really made a strong stance in doing. How do you think the politicians in this country have reacted to this war? Do you think they've reacted well? Do you think they've reacted badly?
0: They've done their best with the limited information that they've got. They haven't out-and-out lied to us, I think siding so strongly with Israel at the start of all of this was a mistake but I do kind of understand it in a way because the attack at that music festival was horrifying but I think now that Israel has had its revenge its payback and more so you know nearly seven times over now it's time to make more noises about packing this in and Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak would be smart to start making noise about a ceasefire now. I think that this is probably going to end with other countries calling for a ceasefire. Eventually, once Israel has destroyed Gaza enough, Israel will agree to a ceasefire, which will hold for about two or three years and then it'll all just start again.
1: But what about if Hamas don't agree to a ceasefire and Hamas keep attacking even though there is a ceasefire?
0: Both sides will keep attacking, even if there is a ceasefire. Every ceasefire we've had up until this point has been broken eventually. Both sides just treat the ceasefires as a chance to regroup and recuperate and plan their next move.
1: Yeah, I think you made a good point there, sadly. I think that you may be right. We've got some important news which is taking place in this country. So Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick has announced plans to close 50 hotels used to house asylum seekers in the UK by January. He stated that these closures are part of a broader effort to reduce asylum claims and that hotel contracts in all four nations of the UK would be ending in the coming months. The use of hotels to accommodate asylum seekers has been criticised for its cost, which amounts to... Eight million pounds per day, according to Jenrick. He deemed this expenditure unacceptable and unsustainable. In response, the government has sought alternative methods of housing asylum seekers, including increasing room sharing in hotels and utilizing disused military sites that Government also plans to continue housing asylum seekers on the Bivy Stockholm badge in Portland, which currently holds 50 people. Although the cost of the barge has not been confirmed by the Home Office, Labour estimates that it is more than £800 per person per night, a figure Jamrick disputed, claiming that it would be more cost-effective once at full capacity. The increased use of hotels for asylum seekers has been linked to a surge in asylum claims in the UK, with a record high of 175,000 people having their applications processed in August. To address this backlog, the government has doubled the number of caseworkers processing asylum applications, but Labour has called for the hiring of an additional 1,000 caseworkers while the legacy backlog of asylum applications made before the end of June 2022 has decreased. New applications have offset this reduction. Concerns have also been raised about the housing of Afghan families who were told to leave hotels over the summer. And I just want to add in, some flights have come back from Afghan, bringing some of those refugees back from Pakistan. The government's plan to reduce small boat arrivals, which accounted for approximately... 45% of asylum applications in the UK in 2022 include sending some asylum seekers to Rwanda to claim asylum there. However, the legality of this scheme is under consideration by the Supreme Court following an overturning of an earlier High Court ruling that deemed the plan lawful by the Court of Appeal. What do you make of this, Roger? How do you think they're managing to close migrant hotels then?
0: That's the bit that concerns me because Robert Jenrick can have a little pat on the head for announcing this hotel plan but they probably should have never been housed in hotels in the first place and where are these families going to go? Because with some of these immigrants there are some genuine refugees and families and young children and we don't want to just be chucking them out on the streets. so where are they going
1: well from what i've heard it sounds like some of them are going to go into social housing and also they might move migrant hotels into constituencies that they very unlikely to win at the next election it sounds like well, most of these everywhere mig- <laughs> it sounds like most of these migrant hotels that are going to be closing are going to be ones where they think they stand the chance of winning in marginal seats to try and avoid losing the next election so I think this may be a bit of a political point more than anything because obviously if they can campaign on people's doorsteps saying that they've closed the migrant hotels in the seats that they're going to lose then they might be hoping to get across the line
0: So the only place where you won't be able to find immigrants is Richmond and Westminster.
1: Yeah, maybe some other ones. Some rural southern seats, perhaps. I think the Conservatives are being a bit more optimistic than what many of the polls suggest. I think they expect to do better than what the polls suggest at the next election anyway. I think they think the polls are going a bit over the top with the amount of losses that they're expected to lose. As we get closer on an election, usually the lead narrows. I think they're hoping that they won't lose as badly as what they expect, but who knows? Because from what I've seen in recent weeks, there the were a Gov poll, in fact, this week, which has suggested that Labour's leads actually... Not uh, being reduced, it seems to be extended. So according to a poll by YouGov, and I've seen worse, I've seen people poll, but let's go by YouGov because that is a reputable pollster. So according to YouGov, Labour are expected to get 48% of the votes. Conservatives are expected to get 24% of the votes, so that is literally a 24% lead. The Lib Dems are expected to get 9%. Reform are expected to get 8%. Green Party are expected to get 5%, and then obviously there are other ones which is not actually included here, which are like the SNP and some minor parties. It's not looking good for the Conservatives, is it?
0: No, and they can make noises like this hotel thing because they're solving a problem that they created and it's low-hanging fruit but i actually suspect there won't be much action the barometer that i can use is the hotel that i live near without doxing myself too badly i live quite near a cedar court hotel which is housing migrants at the moment and that's fine it's not causing any bother for me but i am very very confident that by the end of January, that hotel will still be being used to house migrants.
1: Yes, and I'm very confident about that too, because they know they're not going to win in Bradford, the Labour have took solid ground in Bradford, and at the moment, I think it's going to stay that way, especially in the city centre. And do you think Philip Davis and Robin Moore, so Philip Davis in Shipley and Robin Marvin in Keithley, do you think they'll lose their seats? Yep, bye lads. And do you think they deserve to lose them seats?
0: Individually, probably not, but I don't know enough about them to make that judgment. But based on the behaviour of their party, yeah.
1: I think they've been two reasonably good MPs, to be honest. But like I say, yeah, it's going to be the national issues that affect their seats. Although Bobby Moore seems to be campaigning hard and I'm sure Philip Davis is campaigning hard as well, so... We'll just have to wait and see. But, yeah, I think the national issues are probably going to affect them more than anything.
0: You've said in a couple of elections here on the podcast that, Ooh, you've got faith, people will vote on local issues, but sadly that's not the reality of it.
1: No, it's not. And although I was hoping to win Queensborough because it generally has voted Conservative, unfortunately the last election it hadn't. And um, this election that it was just been in May... It didn't either, so it's voted Labour twice in a row now. So it looks like it is now a Labour seat, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's the way it's going to be until the national issues change.
0: Well, it looks like our ex-Prime Minister is looking for a new career outside of politics now anyway.
1: Yes, um, I was very happy about this news.
0: (laughs) Yeah, much to Adam's delight, former UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has joined GB News as a presenter, programme maker and commentator after stepping down as an MP earlier this year. So, obviously, he's not going for re election anywhere. He aims to focus on discussions about global and national issues, promising unfiltered perspectives on various topics. Johnson plans to host a series showcasing Britain's influence globally, particularly concerning UK and US elections. However, His appointment comes with certain conditions, such as not using privileged information from his time in office and abstaining from lobbying for GB News. This move follows scrutiny over his actions during the pandemic while in office. His joining the news channel comes at a crucial time, following recent controversies within GB News, raising debates about politicians hosting news programmes and the impact of their involvement. A desperate move by GB News, Adam, or quite a shrewd move? What do you think?
1: I think it's more of a tactical move, actually, because having a former prime minister there is going to encourage a lot of people to tune in, isn't it? So I think it's to try and... They gets some viewers and I think they think that Boris is quite popular with a lot of people. A lot of people either love him or hate him. So it's going to be a divisive figure. So it's going to draw in a lot of viewers, I think, they're hoping for.
0: Well, I turn it off whenever that idiot mog comes on, but Boris is a much more entertaining character. I listened to Boris when he was on the radio before he was Prime Minister on LBC a couple of times and he wasn't too bad. So I'll definitely give him a go if he's on.
1: What's Mog done wrong? He's a very good Conservative MP, I think.
0: He has absolutely no idea what the real world is like. He is one of the people who every day gets richer, whereas for the vast majority of people in this country, every day they're getting poorer. And he doesn't realise that, he doesn't care about that, there's no evidence that he cares about that. I've seen him on GB News just spouting the most dull drivel Well, horrible news is happening. And he's clearly got no interest in the likes of me, so I've got no interest in the likes of him.
1: I haven't really watched his shows, but from the stuff that I've seen at the end of Nigel Farage's show because he sometimes comes on there he does actually seem to talk a lot of common sense I think
0: he says things that he thinks the paws want to hear but really I, I don't think he's ever had any sort of long conversation with anyone under 100k a year he just doesn't exude any sort of empathy or caring towards anyone as far as I can see
1: when there was someone up upset with him and quite angry with him i watched the video and he actually stayed really calm in a very tense moment so i was actually really impressed with that oh was uh, that
0: the disabled guy who was saying yeah. i lost my job jacob and, and the guy was crying I'm, i got your time you don't know you just know
2: they millionaire tory you're upstairs down Unsavourable people. That's really, that's really not what this country is Rubbish. Done. It just isn't it's just been that. Bunches of billions. MPs. MPs. Payday. change for better. Rubbish. You're a disgrace, Jacob. Right, you You're do. shameful. Right. I'm sorry you think that. I know that. But I, I wish you well in your oh. search for a job. I really oh, do. Uh, trust me. I'm trying to you. be very polite. Oh, you. And oh, this is a free country and you're entitled to you Why you, you But, but you bad. basically said, my degree means d- you're that you're <laughs> disabled. Nobody's Are you really disabled? Well, it's pretty shameful. But you keep getting billions back but, in. But I'm making the same. Ten years, Jacob. Ten, Ten years. You don't know. I, I yeah, no it doesn't change. But that's Ten point.
0: years. How long do you need? Tell. Eleven years, Not rookie yeah, yeah. Ten think years. I'll give Mog credit on that one because Mog didn't have a clue what to say. But at least he did stand there and take it. He didn't run off to his car. He tolerated the poor guy. He didn't actually help him.
1: No, well, he, he can't necessarily... He's a politician, so his job's actually to try and change the laws, which obviously can help people like that guy. I don't think he's made his life exactly worse, has he? He just goes on
0: GB News and talks about what a beautiful village he lives in.
1: I haven't watched any of his shows, so I can't actually comment there. I actually rank him quite highly. I wouldn't actually be that bothered if he were conservative party leader i think he's in a good place to run the country you definitely would disagree with what i'm saying about jake and uh... i'm trying
0: to work out if he'd be better or worse than rishi but neither is saying much so which one do you think would be worse mog Mog. (laughs) Uh, because i think mog is just lazy
1: people miss stereotyping because of his posh voice I don't know if that's uh, the reason why you don't like him, because he does talk like he has a really, really posh voice, but that's just his accent from where he's from, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, I don't mind that. What I do mind is his posh manner and demeanour, and I can never get over that picture of him just lied there in the House of Commons <laughs> like he didn't care, you know?
1: Yeah, I know which one you're referring to there. That was silly. Um, I can't even remember why he did that. I think he fell asleep, didn't he?
0: That says it all.
1: Yeah, it shows that there's, uh, that they can't always be bothered to listen and they get bored in the House of Commons because like, quite often you see them on the phones as well, don't you?
0: Yeah, and that should definitely be banned. I think Lindsay Hoyle's done a pretty good job at stopping a lot of the nonsense. He's done better than Burko. But going back to Boris Johnson, yes, the man has been and is a very dishonest idiot, but he is entertaining and he does have strong opinions. So I think it could be worth a watch when he's on GB News.
1: Yeah, and will you be tuning into him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I might uh, watch some of his stuff. I'm not saying I'll watch it all because I may <laughs> get bored and turn it off, but I will definitely watch and see what he's saying. And I would be really interested to see if it pops on other shows, whether Nigel Farage ends up having him on parts of his shows because he often interviews other people, does Nigel Farage? I'd really like to see him on that. I'm not saying it had happened, but it'd be really good if it did happen.
0: And Boris, if you ever want a practice run, you can always email us at breakthenewspod (laughs) at gmail.com. We'll have you on.
1: Yeah, we'd love to ask you some questions. So Come on, Boris. What are you waiting for? We're happy. We'd love you on here. For now, I think we've got other news that we need to break on here. Unfortunately, shoplifting is on the rise. But whether this is the right approach to it, I'm not so sure. To combat shoplifting and organised crime, a specialist team of analysts and officers is farming together intelligence on crime gangs responsible for shoplifting across England and Wales. This initiative, known as Project Pegasus, is funded primarily by a group of 13 retailers, including John Lewis, Tesco and The Co-op who have committed almost £800,000 over two years. The plan involves increased police presence at crime scenes, the use of facial recognition to target offenders, and a focus on cases involving violence against shop workers or security guards Detaining offenders. The Home Office is contributing £30,000 in the first year to support this effort. The aim is to create a comprehensive intelligence profile of organised crime gangs involved in shoplifting with the goal of dismantling them. This approach has gathered support from retailers and the Police Federation with the hope of reducing the impact of shoplifting and improving community safety. Official data indicates a 25% increase in shoplifting offences in the year to June compared to the previous year. But these numbers remain below pre-pandemic levels and the true extent of shoplifting may be even higher due to underreporting. Now, do you think that um, shoplifting should take a big priority in terms of crime?
0: Yes, because it's one of the things that is upping the prices of everything for everyone. I've noticed that supermarket prices are about the same this month, maybe even a little cheaper. So we want to keep it that way and reducing shoplifting is one of the ways to do it.
1: I honestly agree with you. I mean, it is a good way of fighting inflation as well, isn't it, fighting crime? But I also think police force are in a bit of a mess. I recently this week saw an article where there were over 6,500 or whatever cars in West Yorkshire, which had been stolen, and I think only 2% of them ended in a charge. And a car is a very expensive vehicle, and I was absolutely appalled when I saw that article. And Lesbian
0: Nana was back in the news as well this week, pepper-spraying people who were randomly walking past.
1: Yes, and I think that was outside the protest. I think there may have been right-wing protesters, I don't know the full story, that were against the Palestine ones. I honestly don't know. She was spotted in a video. I think it is slightly concerning because the other uh, police officers didn't seem to be doing much. She were right out at it. She, were, she wasn't even giving them a chance. She was just like, nope, you're getting sprayed. And she was just going for it. I think she were abusing her powers by looking at that.
0: So perhaps we should get her in the supermarkets then. Or you, put down them Jaffa cakes.
1: Do you actually trust her being in the police fast? Because she seems to be taking very... Very aggressive measures, and I think she she goes a bit overboard. I think she has mental breakdowns by looking at the stuff that she's done. Two cases now she seems to have gone over the top.
0: It's Like I said last week, though, Adam, we don't have a police force, we have a police service. When you're just being aggressive and shouting at people and you're not in control of yourself, that is not force. force. And it's not
1: even a service, that, is it? No,
0: that's just chaos. An actual proper display of force is when you are in control of a situation and when you are in control of yourself. I know that we've only seen one clip of it that's very short and out of context and I'm sure it, the investigation will give us more detail but it seemed out of control
1: to me. And it, it does seem a bit of a coincidence that the same police officer has being spotted twice now abusing the So I think it is safe to assume that maybe she's not fit to be in the police.
0: (laughs) I don't think the police have done her a very good turn, having her out on the streets in public so soon after the lesbian nana incident, because this has brought this all up again. Everyone knows her as lesbian nana. That's probably going to do all sorts of mental harm to her. But sadly, there's no other name we have for her at the moment.
1: Yeah, I don't know her true name, and I guess she won't want her identity I don't, really revealed. I don't know.
0: It wouldn't surprise me if she retired from the force and two years from now she's on I'm a Celebrity.
1: It wouldn't, no. You, you don't know these people, do you? Because sometimes people like drama, don't they, these types of people?
0: We gave some hopeful news there about supermarket prices. Have you got any more for us, Adam?
1: Potentially, where interest rates can they go? Who knows what's happening with interest rates at the moment? But I will certainly read you the BBC's prediction. So signs of a slowing UK job market are reinforcing predictions that interest rates will remain unchanged in November. The unemployment rate rose from 4.2% between June and August, but month on month it actually fell 4.3% 4.3% to 4.2%, but I just want to add in here that they have changed the methodology slightly on how they calculate that, so that could have had an effect as well, but remained steady from the previous month, well, it actually fell from 43 to 4.2%, but this slowdown in hiring is attributed to rising prices and higher interest rates impacting businesses, economic growth in the UK, has also been sluggish recently. The Bank of England, responsible for settling rates, will decide whether to increase, decrease or maintain the current rate of 5.25% next week. The benchmark rate was held steady in September after 14 consecutive increases. Bank Governor Andrew Bailey noted that higher rates were starting to affect the, the economy, But there's a delicate balance as rapid rate hikes can lead to reduced consumer and business spending dragging on the economy. Changes in interest rates, including higher debt repayments, take about a year to affect employers' plans. One Bank of England panel member mentioned that the full impact of rate increases is yet to hit the economy, particularly affecting younger and lower paid workers. While the UK is not officially in a recession, concerns about a weak growth persist and it's expected to be a central issue in the upcoming general election. Some economists believe The weak jobs data suggests the Bank of England will likely keep rates unchanged in November. The figures also indicate that private sector output has fallen for three consecutive months, leading some to suggest that a mild recession might be underway and rate hikes by the Bank of England might be on hold. Experts emphasise That this isn't a collapse in the job market, but a gradual weakening of the economy. Key statistics show a slight decrease in employment, 75.7%, and an increase in economic inactivity to 20.9%, while unemployment remains historically low. The job market is normalising after the pandemic boom, and workers may need to transition to new sectors contributing to rising unemployment. Government officials emphasise efforts to grow the economy and reduce inactivity, while opposition parties criticise the handling of the economy. What do you make of this, Roger?
0: I think it's some good news and a sign of hope unless we have a huge economic miracle though i don't think it's going to be enough to save the conservative party it gives us some hope heading into the new year and into winter that maybe we'll get through this one
1: so if unemployment rises so that we can keep interest rates lower and inflation lower i guess it depends on whether you're a job seeker or whether you're in work doesn't it, as to what happens or whether because if you lose your job it's not good news but if you're in work and um inflation lowers then i guess it is good news isn't it
0: yeah and selfishly um it is good news i do still maintain that there's work out there for anyone who yeah. wants it bad enough and i think you'll find work soon adam you're certainly trying hard
1: enough i think i'll find works pretty soon yeah Um, I don't know when, but um, I am confident that I will find work uh, relatively soon. Yeah, I am.
0: And one of the few things that I agree with Rishi Sunak on is that work should pay and there should be benefits, big benefits, in going to work because work's important. That's what keeps our country going. That's how you contribute.
1: Yeah, but there are so many wasted workers in this country because... So Well, um, especially in the city of Bradford because some people can't get a job. You see on the job applications, uh, many job, uh, jobs have more than 100 applicants uh, just for positions, so there's clearly talent that's going to waste here.
0: And there's so much of a black economy as well. And again, that's a massive problem in Bradford as well. A lot of people working off the books, earning less than minimum wage, Not paying taxes and that messes the economy up a great deal.
1: Yeah, but is there a few reasons behind that? Because obviously, some people don't have the right to work, you know, like if they're a legal migrant, some people may not have the experience to work. So, people could actually be choosing to work in the black economy just to get themselves experience. Because obviously, if they can't find a job in the legal economy, they may choose to work in the black economy, and that's not good, is it? No. But then, obviously, if we end up with loads of people employed, the black economy just goes and outsources the uh, workers from overseas, and that's why we get so many migrants in this country, although UK small boat crossings do appear to be falling, so I wonder if that's because... It's much easier to get workers from this country anyway now.
0: Probably more to do with the fact that it's November.
1: Yeah, but I mean, over the last year as a whole, UK boat crossings are actually down from last year, so maybe that is having a little bit of an impact. We'll just have to wait and see.
0: I certainly don't think it's going to help Rishi as much as he wants it to help
1: him. No, and, he, and there'll still be people coming across because those smugglers are making a fortune out of this because they're charging a fortune of people wanting to come over this country because people are just coming across to this country because they feel it's the best one economically or they can speak the language. There are many reasons why people choose to come over here illegally so it's not like they're going to be able to stop the boats completely, is it?
0: No, but I hope that lots of people come here legally and contribute because that's great
1: but Do you think that's likely to happen?
0: Sadly, it seems a lot easier to just come in illegally at the moment.
1: Yes, and we've got to remember he has actually negotiated a returns agreement with Albania, so there's a lot of Albanians that are not coming over now, but there's still many from other countries that are coming over, so maybe that has reduced them a little bit, but it doesn't explain all the decreases, because I've been through the figures and looked at it. There have been additional decreases from other countries as well, but with the Israel and... um, Palestine conflict I'm not sure those decreases will hold off that long
0: and it looks like a lot of countries are very keen on not taking in any refugees for this one
1: yes a lot may end up having to find a country that will take them so a lot may end up coming across the channel to the UK because they know that they will get put in a hotel or will get somewhere to live even if they come across illegally. So I do think that, yeah, maybe the crossings will go up.
0: If they're genuine asylum seekers, we should do our share. But if other countries aren't going to contribute, then our share is probably going
1: to be very little. You mean our share's going to be very, very high, isn't it, if other ones aren't going to do it?
0: Well, this is what I mean. If it's a fair share, then we should take it as much as other countries are.
1: But is it going to be a fair share, do you think?
0: We we know it's not. We know that Britain goes above and beyond. And and in a way, that's good, but it also means we can be taken advantage of, and we've been taken advantage of for too long. Even Germany are starting to say, no more now
1: that's what i can understand because germany also have a soft touch as well so i don't know understand why they're so desperate to cross to the uk but i think it's mostly down to the language because england english is a global language and i think that that's what um encourages a lot of them to cross that last bit of the channel that's just from the stuff that i've looked into it always seems to be english-speaking countries that they seem to arrive on
0: i also think that countries want to maintain an identity and a culture and that's perfectly okay they're realizing that if you are completely diverse then you just become homogenous you don't stand for anything it can make you weaker in a way so i think it's important to have your own identity as well as respecting yep. other peoples.
1: Well, a lot of the English-speaking countries are going to lose their identity because the migrants like to travel to the English-speaking countries, don't they?
0: I definitely wouldn't discourage my children from migrating.
1: But would it be an English-speaking country so that they didn't have to learn another language?
0: I don't know. That'll that be up to them, I suppose.
1: Because, <laughs> like, Canada's a very good country by the sounds of things. I think I was comparing Canada... To the UK a few weeks ago with you. So there are great countries out there.
0: Well, we're on the topic of culture. I've got two little cultural articles to share with you to finish the podcast, if I may, Adam. I know that this kind of stuff isn't really your thing, but. I think some aspects of it will interest you, and I know you'll indulge me. So thank you very much. The first thing is the Beatles. You know the Beatles, don't you, Adam?
1: Yes, they're a a pop group or something. I'm not sure if they're pop, but they're, they're a music group.
0: Oh, yeah. 60s pop group. Absolute legends. Probably, objectively, the most successful band of all time. And they are set to release what is being called their final song, titled Now and Then despite the fact that two members of the band have been dead for years. Um, This song is based on a 1970s demo by John Lennon, which was finished off last year with contributions from the two remaining living Beatles, Sir Paul McCartney and Sir Ringo Starr. The track, which will premiere on November 2nd, will also be included in remastered versions of the Beatles' Red and Blue albums. The completion of the song was made possible through advancements in AI technology, which extracted Lennon's vocals from an old cassette. The emotional completion of the track marks a surreal experience for the surviving Beatles. Originally penned by Lennon, after the band's breakup, the song is an apologetic love ballad and has been in circulation as a bootleg for years. Yoko Ono, Lennon's widow, gave the song to McCartney after Lennon's death in 1980. McCartney, along with Ringo Starr, added new elements to the recording including vocals, drums, bass, guitar and piano, completing the song that had been left unfinished for decades. Technological advancements in audio separation and enhancement were crucial in making this completion possible. The release will be accompanied by a documentary detailing the making of the song, and the BBC will also air a podcast series about the iconic band, with exclusive interviews with McCartney and Starr about the new material. Will you have a listen, Adam?
1: Uh, I'm not sure if it'll really interest me, but if I hear it on anything, I'll definitely give it a listen, but I'm not really sure... Unless you share it with me, maybe I will.
0: I'll probably stick a clip of it on next week's podcast, but you have to be very careful because the Beatles are famously very litigious and aggressive about copyright, so it'll just be a little clip.
1: Fair enough.
0: But do you think it actually is the Beatles, given the fact that two of them have been dead for a long, long time now, and they have recreated John Lennon's voice using AI? I
1: still don't think AI is going to be that good yet to be able to be spot on what the Beatles would have done.
0: Well, we might find out when this song comes out. I've got high hopes and high expectations for it. I'm quite excited.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it might it might still be good, but I mean, will it be the Beatles? Because obviously uh, the voice is not going to be exactly the same as what the Beatles would have done. The AI may try to predict it, it wouldn't be able to tell you exactly. It would be better if it were the beetles, but unfortunately we haven't got them now, have we?
0: No, but because two of them are still alive, they ha- those two remaining beetles have been able to shape this. So I think it's going to be pretty close to what we would have got if all four of them had been and still be around, so it's going to be interesting to hear. It's been a really strong end to the year for music for me. Green Day have announced a new album, Blink-182 have got a new album out. I'm very happy in terms of music at the end of this year, so this will be a nice little cap on it for me.
1: Fair enough, that's good to hear, and I'm glad you are happy with it. What
0: I really want for Christmas isn't just new music, though, Adam. As you know, it's a PlayStation 5, and the last piece of news I've got is that Sony has confirmed the resolution of supply chain issues that the troubled PlayStation 5 has had for three years due to the global chip shortage that started in 2020. Customers faced frustration with long waits and inflated reseller prices for the PlayStation, leading to a scarcity of the console, which drove up prices. However... Sony has announced that the supply chain is now fixed worldwide, with the console readily available and even a surplus, potentially leading to retailer competition. In contrast, Microsoft offers a discounted Xbox deal bundled with a subscription service, while Sony is focusing on upcoming hardware, including a smaller PS5, which is what I'm hoping to get. The gaming industry struggled due to the chip shortage and despite scalpers selling the PS5 at double its retail price last year, the console's price increased by £30 in stores. So do you think I should go after my PlayStation 5 in time for Christmas, Adam?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, if it's got some good deals on, then definitely.
0: I agree, I'm going for it. So I'll be giving everyone updates here on the podcast as I search for a PlayStation 5 Slim. It's due to be released in the UK sometime in late November. So I'll let you know how it all goes.
1: Well, good luck with it. And yeah, you'll be able to tell us uh, after Christmas, I should imagine.
0: And it's a good week ahead. We've got Halloween on Tuesday. My wife will be taking my kids trick-or-treating.
1: I remember I used to do it when I was younger. I um, don't do it now, of course. I do think it's a little bit rude going round to people's houses mm-hmm. and asking people for treats.
0: We only go to houses who we've pre-arranged it with people who we know
1: good idea yeah but i remember when we went we just went to any house when i was younger but yeah i guess it all depends but i've noticed there's not as many now that come round, is there um although that's because we haven't had decorations up for a while so that's probably
2: why
0: yeah i think the rule of halloween the sort of unwritten rule tends to be if you have your lights on and some sort of decoration up that means you're open to trick-or-treaters. But if your yeah. lights are off and your gates are shut and there's no
1: decoration, then move on, kiddies. Yeah, although not everyone goes by that, but nothing's been said about it. But yeah, there's a lot of people that'll go to those houses anyway because, yeah, obviously the other people are not interested in it and they may not have any treats for them.
0: And our next podcast might be accompanied by... Boom, boom, booms in the background because it will be coming up to bonfire night,
1: definitely, yes, and I think it's bonfire night on a Saturday this year, Sunday, Sunday, yep, yeah, I remember yeah we we've had to change it a few times, I think on bonfire night, but we should be fine because it's Saturday night, although we may decide to record a little bit earlier in the day,
0: absolutely, whatever you're doing this week for bonfire night or Halloween, stay safe, have fun. And thanks for listening to us.
1: Yep. And, yeah, we'll be back with another one next week. Thank you for being here, and um, stay safe. And also, be sure to send us an email at breitthenewspod at gmail.com and be sure to share with your family and friends. But that's all I've got to say, and it's goodbye. Peace.